On this edition of the Scott Radley Show podcast, it is Friday. It is the brightest conversation in Hamilton podcasting, which means we are talking about chicken sandwiches and evil Knievel and pooping on the subway and maybe a few other more important things. Yeah, there's some more important things too. Stick around for all of it. Today on the Scott Radley Show on 900 CHML. Let me bring in Michael... Stephanus Fortune. I don't know what his middle name is, so I'm just guessing. But Michael Fortune from Cable 14, one of the hosts of the Hamilton Network, which you can see at 5 o'clock every day. Michael, how are you? Scotty, I'm doing really well, thanks. Uh, always a pleasure being on here. And uh, you and the family been holding up okay through all this? We are just peachy keen. I mean, you know, as I say, living in the basement, being a troll who never leaves the basement for 14 or 15 hours a day. But that's... Uh, that's COVID are, are, are life. You, are you also uh, typing away on your keyboard and sending tweets and Twitters out to people too while you're doing that in your basement? And occasionally, not that often. And, and by the way, just before we get going, I do want to mention, yeah. I had a few people concerned last night that I may have been taken hostage or something based on our, we had a bit of a technical issue. There were some repairs going on at the station and I had a number of people saying, are you okay? <laughs> yes, we're fine. We're just, just so you know, it was, you know, it happens. It's, it's, we work in a technological industry. These things happen. Uh, how are you doing? Yeah, you know, I'm doing well, thanks. There's uh, lots going on in the Fortune world, the Fortune household, and uh, keeping busy, as you alluded to. Uh, Scott Urquhart and I are hosting a new show on Cable 14, yep. THN, the Hamilton Network. Uh, my son turns 16, so as a rite of passage on Monday, he'll be going and getting his driver's license. Terrifying. And, uh, I know, Terrifying. I know. First rule I taught him, and it's the same rule that my dad taught me the first time I ever got behind the wheel, and I've never forgotten it. I said, Jaden, everyone on the road around you is an idiot. And that's, you know, I. <laughs> that's a good piece of advice. That's what my dad taught me. That's what I'm teaching my son. And yeah, you know, we wish him all the best. And uh, hey, it's like I said, you're 16, it's a rite of passage. It's uh, we've you know we're telling him it's it's a privilege it's not a right you got to be responsible and uh, I think he's looking forward to the opportunity. When you said the first thing you taught him, I th- will or a Ben, pardon me, back at the station, whispered in my ear, burnouts. <laughs> yeah, no, we thought no, maybe no, you taught him on, donuts ben. as the first thing. No, no, we we don't do any of that here in the Fortune House. Not not to say that I probably haven't had the odd lead foot from time to time on my years of driving, but uh, look, you know what? It's uh, we're we're proud of him and. Um, you know, it's it's just one of those things. So we'll everyone be cautious on the roads moving forward after tomorrow. Uh, it yeah. I uh, when I first got when I got my first car, uh, it was a it was a standard. It was a clutch. It was a, a stick shift, and I had never driven one before, which right. was of course really challenging to even get at home. But then I thought, you know, I'm going to go to the mall and I'm going to practice for a while late at night. And it was early winter, so there was just a little bit of snow on the ground. And this was awesome because once I started to get the hang of it a little, I was out there for an hour or so. I thought, okay, now it's time to start like doing the donuts and the skids and everything and pull the parking brake. And as I went whipping around Mm -hmm. the corner of the mall to do one, there were two cars, two cop cars parked beside each other with their driver's windows facing each other. It's like, okay, I think it's time to leave now. <laughs> That's one thing I never learned. I never learned how to drive stick. I've had no interest to. I've never had to drive it. Um, it's always been standard. And one of my first ever learning experiences behind the vehicle was with my best buddy, James. I've known him for over 40 years. He had his license a few years before me. And we went to the city hall parking lot and we got him in his car and he said, I don't want you to drive forward. He goes, I want you to learn how to drive backwards first. And I'm telling you, probably one of the best pieces of advice, because I can parallel park, I can back in anywhere. I'm one of the most comfortable people that knows how to back into any spot. And 
Um, it's just, it's, it, that's how I learned, learning to drive backwards first. Who would have thunk it, right? Who would have thunk it indeed? And so anyway, good luck to your son. And, and just Thank before you. you came on the air, it's, it's funny you mentioned your son, because I was going to ask you, you have a daughter as well. And it dawned on me today that her name, well, her honorific name, she would be Miss Fortune. She, she would be, yes. <laughs> and, and my... <laughs> My, my aunt Kathy lived through all of that, and we've heard all the fortune <laughs> jokes. Misfortune is one of them. Of course, my dad, when he first started in his career, he was he worked in the bank, and he was a teller. Ah, yeah, Get there it? you go. Uh-huh. So heard the misfo- yeah, so we, we've heard all of them, and it's, it's, a, it's a great, unique name. Very proud to hold it. And, uh, of course, yeah, my daughter, as you know, she doesn't like her first name. She'd rather be called something else, but she's stuck with it for now. <laughs> well, you know, she can always change it to Brittany with a little heart over the eye eventually whenever oh, she wants please, to. No, please, no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we a few a couple of weeks ago on the show, uh, Mike, we, Ben and I counted down the stupidest names that people have ever, ever given their kids. Let me assure you, her name was not on the list. Her name is just fine. Melanomia, Melanomia was one of the choices that you could have gone with that, that, Um, I don't know, or Stephanie, Stephanie was one that we thought was particularly cruel to the child. It really makes you wonder what people think (laughs) when it's it's that moment in time where you have to say, this is how you're going to be known for the rest of your life. But hey, hey, that's, that's what it is, right? You're listening to the Scott Radley show podcast on 900 CHML. I saw a number today that I was very, um, that, that struck me as really interesting. And that is this, we're, we're now talking about in this country, something in the neighborhood of 9,000 deaths from COVID, which is a, it's a big number. There's no question. And every one of them is tragic and unfortunate and no one is poo-pooing it and, and none of that stuff. But I came across a number today that said, according to the Canadian Medical Association Journal, there will be in 2020 in Canada, 83,000 people dying of cancer. And I'm not, again, poo-pooing the whole COVID thing whatsoever. But Mike, I, I wonder when, when, I have, when I hear throne speeches about the pandemic and talking about this, and when we shut down entire economies and we quarantine and we do all these things, with with cause i mean again i'm not i'm not dismissing this where is the same level of urgency for other things that do even much much more damage and 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 i i mean i i know that cancer is being looked after i know that there are researchers and doctors and everything else but boy when you hear that number 83,000 versus 9,000 it just seems jarring the attention on one and the lack of attention on the other well i think we're always still keeping the cancer and heart disease in the back of our mind we have to um again the way covid is being passed along that's the scary thing that is where we there are still so many unknowns I think, and I'm not, shockingly, Scott, I'm not a medical doctor. I know it's hard for you to believe. Um, but you know, we, we know is so much more about the, can- the various types of cancers and the heart disease and what are number one killers and how to prevent that and what the causes are. When it comes to COVID, there's just still such a huge mystery to everything. We, have no- we know a lot more now than we did seven months ago, but we still don't know what the long-term effects will be. So I, 
I appreciate the fact that we're putting such a cause of concern on COVID and what's happening until we truly learn more. And each day we are. And I don't think for one second we are forgetting about the heart attacks and the cancer and, and so on and so forth. It's just this is what has consumed us right now. And because it's an airborne virus through droplets, we just have to put in the education and the funding for this. And I'm sure behind the scenes, all the doctors and all the scientists are still getting their funding to continue to practice and, and research on heart attacks and cancer and heart disease, so on and so forth. Your point that, you know, we know some about, we know a lot more about cancer and those kind of things than we do about COVID. Yeah, that that's a fair point. But doesn't that mean then that we have ways of dealing with things like that? We know in a lot, not in every case, obviously, but in a lot of cases, what causes cancer or what can lead to certain forms of cancers or what can lead to heart diseases or these things. And yet it seems like we, we, for, I think for most people, this is maybe this is where I'm going with this. For most people, we, we don't think about it. It's sort of, there's a disinterest. We know that if you're overweight, there is a greater chance of spinoff health problems like heart disease, like cancer, other things. We don't care. We we don't, or at least we don't seem to. I, I, I think we all do. And that's why we are encouraged. And I believe a good majority of us go for our checkups and are told what to eat and follow good nutritional guidelines, so on and so forth. But with cancer and heart disease and such, we haven't had to shut down the economy because of, of, of those diseases and what's going on. We haven't had to have an influx of, of provincial and federal funding um, that has basically you know, torn everything apart right now because of the, the other numbers that you alluded to regarding what else is going on. This is a pandemic of of proportions that we never thought we would see in our lifetime. And I think if we continue to do what we're doing, be diligent um, and still remember the other things, because you're still watching TV, you're still seeing them talk about healthy choices and healthy habits and go out and get your exercise. That all plays into heart disease and cancer and, and, and keeping uh, looking after your body, I should say. But the same people and, and I'm not being critical. People should wear their mask when they go outside. I mean, that's just, even if you don't think about it for you, for other people, just as a courteous citizen, you should do it. But the same people who go out and are absolutely vigilant about their masks, I'm betting that most of them are not nearly as vigilant about other things they do in their health. But again, well, what, what is the whole message with, with COVID and wearing a mask? If, if not wearing it for yourself, yes. wear it for someone else. Because you're passing along, again, it goes back to the droplets and what you're spreading airborne. You can't get cancer by shaking someone's hand. Just like with AIDS, you can't, you, you, you can't, you can't get AIDS by shaking someone's hand. You can't get heart disease by just walking by someone as they're coughing. But if they're coughing and they have COVID and they're not wearing a mask, guess what? You're going to be getting that. So I, I, that's why this is getting all the attention. And I truly hope no one is forgetting all the other things that they need to do to look after themselves. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. Mike Fortune is with us here for the brightest conversation in Hamilton Radio on 900 CHML. Mike from Cable 14, of course, with the Hamilton Network. Five o'clock every day, every weekday on Cable 14. And I don't know, Mike, replayed other times during the day, I'm assuming. Yeah, and if you can't uh, get it on your old, good old iGuide through your cable provider, hop on to uh, cable14.com. You can catch us there as well. So we're talking about um, 
a number that really leapt out at me this week, which is the the difference between numbers of people who have died from COVID, which in Canada is roughly around 9,000. And just to reiterate, not belittling or anything that number. Those are sad stories. Every single one of them is a sad story. Compared to the 83,000 that are predicted to die of cancer in the country this year and whether whether we're sort of missing something here. And, and Mike, I, you know, the other part about this that really sort of struck me is that when they, when the COVID thing really came on, and again, you're absolutely right about the fact that this was sort of a mystery. We don't really know about this. So we're trying to figure it all out. But there were many cancer treatments that were put off because we had to let people have, we had to clear hospital beds and everything else. And, and again, I, you know, I look at this and I think I, I'm not dismissing the COVID thing. But I just think when you start to look at those numbers that, that maybe we're underplaying some other things that, that are going on and that we, we sort of almost, this is a weird way to describe it, but take it for granted. We sort of just forget about it. It's in the back of our mind. Oh yeah, cancer. We all, I mean, look, I, I can assure you, maybe you tell me differently. I think that every single person listening would know or be related to at least one or two or five or 10 people who have died of cancer. I'm not sure everybody can say that about COVID. It's fair much enough, closer to home, and yet we sort of forget about it. Yeah, fair enough. But again, because we are still learning so much about COVID, think about those people that are co- who are compromised with immune systems. People who have cancer are compromised. We don't know how it will. I think I guess we do know now how it will affect them if they get a respiratory infection and they have cancer. Oh my gosh! So again, the the fact that we are still learning so much and heck. You know what? Canada, Ontario, Canada has done such a wonderful job. All you have to do is look stateside and what those buffoons have done and how they have over 200,000 deaths. You know what? I, and, and, and I'm much happier talking about this, knowing that our, our, our numbers are lower, but I also don't believe that anyone is forgetting. And you know what? I think some people out there might be listening. who Listen to this show, Scott. They might have cancer and they might say, wait a second, no one's forgotten about us. We know what we need to do. Our doctors are still in touch with us. Um, and, and thank you for doing what you're doing, Ontario and Canadians, protecting yourself. So I, who have cancer, am still being looked after and, and can be treated at the hospital. Thank you for wearing that mask um, because I think this all plays just a bigger, it's all a bigger picture and plays a bigger role for those who are compromised and have lower immune systems. I wonder. I mean, I, I, I do wonder uh, not to say we shouldn't be putting money into COVID and not to say we shouldn't be putting efforts into COVID, but, it, you know, we've heard almost nothing now, you know, and maybe again, it's just going on in the background, but it, it just seems we, we almost get these single-minded things where we can only focus on one thing at a time. But I ha- Scott, we have to think about this. We have to think about COVID right now. And I guarantee you that the researchers and the doctors and all the various cancer departments and, 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 and clinicians and scientists, they're not forgetting about what their job, their duty, and their expertise is. We as Canadians and Ontarians and as a, as a society throughout the world have to focus on COVID right now because, heaven forbid, it can wipe out millions of people potentially. And okay, we so don't let's want leave, to see that. No, let's leave cancer for a second. Let's just talk about heart disease then because the numbers are even higher for things, spinoffs of heart disease. Where have the 
I, I, I'm look, you don't need to shut down the economy for heart disease. I'm not suggesting that for a second. We don't need to quarantine for heart disease, but where have the enormous pushes like we've seen for things to do with COVID, where has, where has that urgency been to get people? I mean, look, people do work out. You're right. But that's their choice. That's not a, a societal thing. People do. We still, you know, are, there's a lot of stuff that we look at that would lead to heart disease that we go, that's fine. That's fine. And I don't want to put restrictions on people. I don't want to say you can't go buy fast food or you have to go to the gym. I don't believe that. But it just seems that we take the, some of these things a whole lot less seriously. And the oh. end result is very often the same. I, 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 I completely disagree. I, I think we take it all very seriously. And there have been um, marketing programs and, and commercials and you name it, talking about heart disease and cancer and what you can do to better uh, improve yourself and, and hopefully stay away from those horrible, horrible diseases. But again, we've known about cancer and we've known about heart disease for years and years and years. And we've come so far. We're seven months into this COVID. We have to now hammer that message home. And behind the scenes, people are still doing what they need to do to ensure that we don't forget about the cancers and the heart disease. But everyone is so focused on COVID right now. This is what you have to do. This is, this is it right now. Until we get a vaccine, until case counts go down, until it, who knows, and disappears or we can maintain it. We can maintain, we can keep people comfortable with cancer and, and, and heart disease and all that stuff. And that has been documented and it has been researched and it has been talked about and talked about and talked about. Local public health here, doctors, you've probably had doctors on your show about it, Scott. Now it's the COVID thing, and this is what has to, we have to stay focused on. Because if we don't, like I said earlier, we'll be in a position like the States is, and we definitely don't want to do that. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. Mike, photo radar comes back to Hamilton beginning October the 1st. We are back in photo radar land. This was not a popular program last time during the Bob Ray years. Are you a photo radar supporter or a photo radar not supporter? I'm all for it, Scott. I'm all for it. Anything we can do to keep our streets safer, to keep uh, uh, Vision Zero intact, to be more aware of what's going on around us. I do not believe it's a cash grab uh, one iota. Um, the city does their job. All municipalities, I believe, do their job by putting up uh, red light camera areas or like signs on, on uh, uh, light posts well before an intersection, intersection so you are completely aware. And uh, I'm, I'm all for it. I truly am. And I, I chuckle every time I see someone go through a red and you see that flash. I'm thinking, gotcha, good. Hopefully it stings you in the pocketbook a little bit and you won't do it next time. Here is why I'm not a big fan of it. And it's not got to do with the cash grab because I, I don't know if it's a cash grab or not. The city says that they won't even make back the money that the cameras are going to cost. So we'll see. Mike, my concern with photo radar has always been this, that when you put a camera in a certain place, it becomes a replacement for an officer, for a police officer, because now we're not going to have a cop there and the photo radar. And the only the problem is the only thing photo radar get, catches is speeders. It doesn't catch people talking on their cell phones or texting or passing improperly or doing other things that might be illegal that we want actual human beings to catch as well. It solves one problem, but then it opens the door to a bunch of other problems that we we can't then control. 
I don't know. I I don't know if it would open up a bigger can of worms. Uh, if you look at various intersections that have uh, high rates of accidents um, or fatalities or injuries, you know, I'm I know our police service and I believe other ones are doing the best they can with the officers they have on the street to ensure that they're monitoring and looking after people that are on cell phones and such. The, the, the cameras are for one instance only. And you're, how often do you actually see an officer with a radar gun anyway or, or near an ex- intersection trying to get a speeder anyway? They're trying to get you on, on the straightaways, on the, on, on the West Fifths as you're coming or going up and down the Queen Street Hill, along Mohawk Road going towards golf links. That's, those are just a couple areas. That's where they try to get you. So let the cameras do the work that's needed. And let the officers spread out where they need to be to look after other things. I don't. You don't need an officer at a busy intersection to check if if someone's speeding through it. Let the except these are all going to be to these are all going to be in school zones and heavy pedestrian areas. That's that's Even the better. thing. So you're not well. Except you're not going to have that big straightaway where you would get someone coming across the bridge or something and speeding up, where you've got the cop with the radar gun. It's not going to be quite the same. What they're looking at. And again, one of the things that I'm really going to be interested to see is we don't photo radar. Theoretically, they could send you a ticket in the mail if you're going one kilometer over. Now, I don't expect that if you were going one kilometer over, you're going to get a ticket. I would certainly hope not. I'm not sure what. Speeding is speeding. And I know Counselor Ferguson actually brought that up. Speeding is speeding. If it says 40 and you're doing 41, speeding is speeding. So you're okay with, with people getting a ticket for going one kilometer over? If they're not, are they obeying, are they breaking the law? This is part of the other problem, Mike, with the, with the photo radar, there can be reasons why you might be one or two kilometers or five over or something. I, I, uh, you, if I am come, if I come home and I've been going through a school zone and I am trying to stay on the speed limit and I, and it's 40, and I happen to hit 42, but I'm doing my best to try and just, I got my foot on the brake and I'm going, and I get a ticket. That's ridiculous. I, and I know what you're saying is speeding is speeding. And, but there's got to be some kind of discretion in this. I just don't know what that number is. I don't know where they're going to set that number. And, and maybe time will tell. Um, but, you know, I think if you bring it to a judge, the judge is going to say, hey, Learn, learn, learn to go 39 then. And driving 40 is very difficult. Don't get me wrong. It, it's, 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 it's very difficult. But we're in such a mindset that we have to put the foot on the gas and drivers are more important and everyone else get out of my way. I think by putting these red light cameras in certain areas, sure, you're going to get a bunch of tickets probably in the beginning. But over time, you'll start to realize, oh, yeah, there's red light cameras here. And you start to see people taking their foot off the gas and, and they're, they're being a little bit more cautious. And it's also about the messaging and retraining some drivers where they are in busier intersections or where they're in populated school zones or high pedestrian traffic area. You have to kind of retrain. So if it's going to be a matter of putting up proper signage, which they do, and if you get dinged, you get some tickets or you start talking to friends about it, there's a new uh, red light camera zone here. Maybe you keep that in mind while you're driving up to it. Oh, yeah, got to slow down a little bit. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. Mike Fortune with us as we're chatting about photo radar arriving in Hamilton on October the 1st, chatting about the idea of whether we like it or not. And Mike, during the break there, I was looking up that question that we were just discussing is what's the level 
that Hamilton is going to apply this. And best we can tell, there was a quote by, let me just find it here. Uh, Hamilton's transportation and maintenance department head, Edward Soldo, who when asked what will be the barometer or the bar at which you will start issuing tickets, he said, what you did, speeding is speeding. So you may go through one of these zones going one kilometer over the limit and get a ticket. Uh, And and I'm not surprised, you know, and I was giving this a little thought myself during the break there. Uh, Former police chief, uh, Glenn DeCare, when I hosted police watch for all those years, he constantly referred to a, a saying that I keep in the back of my mind all the time, whether it be wearing, not wearing a seatbelt, drinking and driving, cell phone or speeding, compliance is free. It's as simple as that. And and also for your listeners out there, let's not be fooled here. I don't have a perfect halo over my head. I think I alluded to it. No, none of us do. None of us do. I've before. But but as I'm getting older and as I have kids and as I walk down Upper Paradise or Rice Avenue, um, I, I see all the speeding and it boggles my mind. So, so photo radar, love it. Um, speed bumps, put them everywhere. Let's see people just tear the bottoms out of their car. Hopefully they learn that way. Again, I'm talking more as a, as a father and a concerned parent now for my community that I live in. Again, let's go back to the, uh, the, the limit, because I think this is going to be a huge discussion point, because I think the first time, and we will hear, if the city does actually send out tickets for two or three or one kilometer over, we'll, we'll start hearing about that. People will start complaining. And Mike, I, I, I go to my point. I, I think that, you know, if you want to say five over in these school zones, but, you know, when we say, well, speeding is speeding, or the law is the law, or compliance is free, you know, we have bylaws about when music has to be turned down at a neighbor's house. Is, is, Should is, you, loud, is, is, loud, is loud music um, putting people's lives at risk? It could. What if, what if you're, I mean, look, the point is it's a bylaw. And if you play the music and it's supposed to stop at 11 PM and it's 1101, should you get a ticket for that? Or if it's, or if you are, I don't know, pick another bylaw of something. If it, you know, I don't think there's gotta be some, they're not even comparable though, Scotty. They're not even comparable. Uh, I I have to uh, disrespect, uh, uh, respectfully disagree with you because again, bylaws are put in place to, to, to allow neighbors the opportunity to maybe have a conversation with a neighbor, um, see if there's a common ground, and then maybe if you want, you can call a bylaw officer and get them involved. But when it comes to sitting behind a 8,000-pound piece of metal that basically can be death on wheels, and if you're irresponsible driving it and you're going to kill someone because you're not going 40, then, then, then what's the point? And, and you're saying, well, what's the barometer? Why can't it be 45? Okay, then... Why didn't they decide to put the speed limit at 45? Oh, and then people would say, well, let's put it to 50. You know, like, it, where does it start? So let's put it at 40. And if it's 41 that you're caught at, you're caught at 41, man. I will be stunned if people are okay with getting tickets because at well, that. No one's okay at, with getting a ticket, Scott. No, but, but you're okay with it if you've, if, you, if you've broken the law and you go, you know what? Yeah, that's, uh, but driving is, it, it's never perfect. Even, even cruise control, even if you try to set it on cruise control, those are not necessarily perfectly exactly. You may end up, it may be off a little bit. I just, you're going to have the discussion and you're going to have the argument loudly 
that you started with, Mike, on this one, and and it's a point that people have raised about it being a cash grab. If you start giving out tickets at one or two kilometers over, you will have lots of people saying, "Mm, that's exactly what this is. It's a cash grab. If this is really to slow people down, there's got to be some kind of built-in buffer there where you go, look, clearly they were trying to either slow down to that. Because the other thing is, Mike, like you get into a school zone, the the kilometers an hour, the speed limit may be slightly different. Depends where the thing is set up to. If, If you, if it catches you right at the sign when you're supposed to be at either 30 or 40 or whatever it is, but you've been coming from a higher speed limit zone, but you're clearly slowing down. To me, that's unfair as well. It, like there's yeah. lots, there's different variables on this thing. But are these, ca- and again, I, I don't know, and I, I wasn't able to do any research. Are these cameras still not at least going to be at, at, at lights and, and, and all that? Or are they going to be in, in full areas where you're driving your vehicle no matter what? It must be, must be the latter there. So I think I just answered my question. Yeah, Listen, it's, to, it's school to zones. That, through the zone. So to your point, when you did your research and the transportation gentleman of Hamilton said, speeding is speeding. And and there you go. And look, I think people will get the message loud and clear, and probably pretty quickly as soon as some tickets start to go up. And again, uh, isn't this this is this not just is it a pilot project? Forgive me, I forget. Is it a pilot yep, project or yep, is this good? Yep. So yeah, yeah. Uh, of course, you know what? With that said, there is going to be, I'm sure, potentially some tweaking at some point if it's a pilot project. That's what pilot projects are for to tweak and pivot and adapt a little bit, if necessary, depending on the potential um, uh, feedback you get from residents. So let's not all get all up in arms right now. Let's see how the pilot goes. People will learn their lessons, and maybe council and the Hamilton Traffic uh, Department will, will look at things as well. But you know what I'm I hoping think- for, Mike? We've got to go to break. You know what I'm really hoping yeah, yeah. for? I'm exactly. hoping somebody does get a one kilometer an hour the, over the limit ticket one kilometer over, gets a lawyer who really wants to make a name for him or herself and fights this thing to the Supreme Court of Canada over (laughs) one kilometer an hour just for the entertainment value of this and to see what would happen and make it so that the $5 ticket to the city of Hamilton ends up costing taxpayers hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars just to see how far the city would take this. Do you know how, does it say there, I know we got to run to a break, does it say how much... uh a ticket would be depending on how many kilometers in, over you in are? Toronto. It doesn't in Toronto. It's $5 for the first 19 kilometers. It's $5 per kilometer over. And then for the next jump up, it goes up to seven fifty per kilometer. So I'm, I'm guessing, let's say it's $5. So a $5 ticket, is the city going to be willing to spend a hundred thousand dollars to fight one? If you were to take it to court and drag this thing all the way, it would be, a, will, it would be very tell, interesting. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. I got to ask you this, um, totally off topic with anything else. There has been seemingly, and and I bring this up because we had one in the house yesterday or today. Have you noticed there seems to be an overwhelming abundance of push for companies, fast food places to bring out new chicken sandwiches these days? Are we in like this chicken sandwich boom of chicken sandwich booms? I'm going to be honest with you. I, I don't think I've noticed that. I, Popeyes. I, okay, so Popeyes has their one that, you know, people line up for an hour in the States yeah. to get, and it finally came to Canada a week or so ago. 
And McDonald's now has commercials on TV every four minutes for their new spicy, you know, chicken sandwiches that are supposed to blow your brain out because they have a scotch bonnet and a ghost pepper. And there was another one that I saw too. And it's like, when did, like, it used to be burgers. When did we all of a sudden become, it's all about chicken sandwiches? Well, maybe, anyway. maybe uh, because it's maybe supposed to be a healthier option. I have no clue. I, guess. They're, they're, I don't pay attention. I don't look at junk mail and I skip every commercial. So I don't real. they're, they're trying to market to the wrong person. If they're getting into the fortune household, I've not, I've truly not noticed that. Uh, I don't even, I have you know, ma- when you get those coupons in the mail, you know, and it's the McDonald's you don't use those? things. I don't even open those. It's like, I'm not even going. No, I don't even want to look. But there's a lot See, of I always ads, clip eh? them. I always clip them always intending that, hey, I better keep this in my car because maybe one of these days I'll go for a drive-through. And then, you know, we are in COVID world. I live in my basement. I never leave my basement. So if it doesn't come to the house through one of my kids, I generally don't. But I, I thought, you know what, the other day I said, I've heard now, and you probably have, and some people listening will remember this, that about a year ago, we were hearing these stories that people were lining up an hour to get this Popeye's chicken sandwich down in the States, there were lineups around the block to get a Popeye's chicken sandwich. And I said, all right, anything that is good enough for people to line up an hour to get it, I'm going to give it a try. I would give it a try, but I would wait until all the hype dies down and I will go when during an off peak hour or when there, I don't, I don't want Scott, I don't want to wait for my food. I, well, I the good get news is and get out. The good news is there was nobody else there waiting. I I did not have to wait an hour. So, and let me back up for a second. Before I did this, a number of years ago, I also tried the Kentucky Fried Chicken. Remember they had the double down, which was the chicken sandwich that the chicken was the buns. The sodium intake for a lifetime in one of those sandwiches, right? The first time, and I only had it once. And when I was done, it actually felt like I had gone to it on a trip to the Dead Sea and just immersed my tongue in the water and coated it. My tongue felt like it had that, you know, when you buy a a glazed donut and there's that sugar coating, that's what my tongue felt like with salt. It was very salty. But anyway, I I said, those things don't do it for me, man. it, It was, it was, it was, it was okay. It was okay, but it was not something I'm going to go back and get. And then I thought, okay, gotta get the Popeye's chicken sandwich because I got to try this. I'm a sucker for the hype. I've been, you know, all the new and then tweet Twitter. I know you're not a big Twitter guy, but Twitter has had tweets about this thing. Oh, it's here. So I went. It's I find like who- with I find with all the, the chicken and I've, I've had KFC and all that in the past. I find with all those chicken joints, the there's so much grease in them and because they're so deep fried, it doesn't sit well for me. So that's why I'm just not a big fan of those types of menu yeah. items when, when and if I do go to a fast food restaurant from time to time. Didn't, didn't do it for me. Really didn't. Like yeah. I, I didn't eat this thing and have a like mouthgasm where I, you know, like this was the greatest thing that I've ever had in my, no, it wasn't. And then today or yesterday, the McDonald's one somehow ended up in the house. The ones that were supposed to be so spicy that they make you weep, but in with pleasure and I guess I like spicy food and I eat a lot of spicy sauce and stuff. So it didn't really, it was like, really, this is, it's, you know, not, uh. I'll tell you what, here's the secret. 100 days out of 100, if you locked me down and said, you have to eat a chicken sandwich every day, 100 days out of 100, the basic Chick-fil-A chicken sandwich every day, every day, miles ahead of the rest. And I'm not, I'm not being paid for this, not being paid miles 
miles ahead of the other. I haven't even had that sandwich, Scott. That's how far out of the loop I am. If I want a chicken sandwich, I'm old school. Give me my go to the barbecue. Give my, give, no, give me my cooked chicken. Put a little bit of mayo in it, a little bit of salt and pepper. Put it on two nice white pieces of bread, and I'm I'm a happy camper. I don't like all that deep fried batter, crumbly yeah. stuff. I just that's why that's well why Chick Fil A is the best one because it doesn't have all that crap on it. Anyway, okay, just well, I thought maybe I, would I might have to try that. Then. You may have when, to try that one. When we can finally get together again at some point, Scott, you and I, you'll introduce me to a Chick Fil A. We'll I will we'll have I one will. together maybe. All right. Um, well, hey, I don't know speak how... of the devil, while I'm talking to you, I'm watching TV as well. I can multitask. Here we see, I see a KFC commercial with chicken and fries. So there you go. There you go. I'm only it's watching everywhere. A commercial because I'm paying so much attention to you. It's okay. Chicken is all of a sudden everywhere. I, I got way off topic with topic with that. I don't know how we got there, but uh, okay. let's go back to something way more important: music. Because Rolling Stone magazine, I think in 2003, came out with their list of the 500 greatest albums of all time. Mm-hmm. And this week they updated it because, you know, in 17 years, there's a bunch of albums that come out and tastes change and everything else. Now you're an Elvis guy. All right. Yep. So I'm going to, I'm going to give you a hint here. The answer to my question that I'm about to ask you, the answer is not Elvis. Sadly. <laughs> yes. That's my one hint. Gotcha. Okay. What album would you think would be and it's a tough question because I'm asking you, Cole, what do you think would be the number one album of all time? Of all time uh, and not being Elvis, I'm going to have to go sometime in that era at least. And uh, I, I would, you know what? I'd go with the Fab Four out of England. I, I'd say it would be a Beatles album. Which one it would be, I don't know. But I, I think the Beatles would be at number one at this point. Well, so last time, this is the strange part about this. This is why stuff like this drives me nuts, even though it does the job of getting us talking about it. Last time in 2003, Sgt. Pepper was the number one album, the greatest album of all time. And you you were bang on with the Beatles. And that one was very experimental and very groundbreaking. And it's still, I mean, how many years later, 50, 60 years later, still holds up as yeah. a, as, as an amazing piece of work. Not number one anymore. It has been usurped. It has been usurped. And I thought, oh, well, if it's been usurped, then, and the reason is to update this list, it's been usurped by a more recent album. I don't know what that would be. No, it's suddenly somewhere, for some reason, Marvin Gaye's What's Going On has now taken over. Another amazing album, for sure. I'm not quite sure I understand. But, and, and, and by the way, number two is the be- the Beach Boys' Pet Sounds. And number three is Joni Mitchell with Blue. So we've got some CanCon in there. Uh, Stevie Wonder, Songs in the Key of Life would be number four. And the Beatles' Abbey Road, now number five. Somehow, in 17 years, Sgt. Pepper has gone from being the number one greatest album of all time to now the 24th greatest album of all time. <laughs> what, well, what did the uh, Beatles I- do to people? A lot has happened. Times have changed. Genres have changed. You know what I'm really surprised about with that list on the top three or four that you just mentioned? I'm surprised the Michael Jackson album is in there. In there. Like his, his Thriller album was just... It's up. It's uh, Thriller is... I passed it here on my list. Sorry, I got to scroll back. Uh, thriller is number 12. Greatest... I think it's still the best-selling album of all time. Maybe not anymore, but I thought it was. Um, 
But, you know, like these are the things I look at this and I go, wait a second. So Sergeant Pepper has gone from number one to number 24, and it is now behind the notorious B.I.G. with Ready to Die. (laughs) Do you think anybody really thinks that that album is behind notorious B.I.G.? I think music purists would completely disagree with that and obviously Beatle fans. But, hey, you know what? You probably have a whole new group of generation of people compiling these best of lists as well. And their mindsets and music ideas have changed as well, too. So, you know, I I think you take all that stuff with a grain of salt. And uh, at the end of the day, you're going to listen to what you want to listen to. Right. Yeah. Behind behind number 17, Kanye West, number 17. Well, so the Beatles' so best album is now seven, seven albums behind Kanye West. But again, sign of the times, as you alluded to, right? Like, look, look what we went through in the '80s and early '90s with all all the rap and hip hop and and that whole genre that just really truly exploded, right? And it's it, it, hey, things take over. Hey, we have this conversation another uh, ten, fifteen years. Maybe Sergeant Pepper's down. Uh, uh, in, in the 50 spot. You never know, right? It, it could be. I'm just looking here, trying to find where I saw Elvis. I think he was in the 80s was his first oh, one. come on. Really? Uh, yeah, yeah. No, I'm just, I'm getting close here. Wait a second. Uh, da, 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 uh, back in black. He's ahead of back in black, I believe. Well, um, that's understandable. <laughs> okay, so the El- Elvis Presley, the Sun Sessions is his top one, and it comes in at number 78. Um, uh and you know, again, behind Kanye West. What's with Kanye West? I'm sorry, Kanye West. I'm sorry. What, what has he done that's relevant lately? Like I, I don't ever I don't get that ever. either. Ever, or yeah. ever, yeah, for that point, forever. All right. It, it, One more yeah. thing. One more thing yeah. I want to get to before I yeah. we have to go because um, this story today, and, and it's not the story so much that I find so interesting. Um, the estate, I think it's either the kid, the son, um, Kelly Knievel who is the son of Evil Knievel, is suing Pixar and Disney uh, because in Toy Story 4, there is a character called Duke Kaboom. <laughs> that yeah, is that's right. Yeah. Somewhat based on Evil Knievel. And they, they say that they took his likeness and, um, and uh, you know, usurped it for their purposes. Is there any way in 2020 or 2025 or 2030, is there any way we could ever have something like Evil Knievel ever again? Oh, I, I, maybe everything old uh, can kind of do a 180 and come back if you have that one type of daredevil. But I, I honestly, I almost think now that that is kind of tame compared to what other stuntmen and, and, and adrenaline junkies kind of want to do, you know, getting on a motorbike, jumping over 10 or 15 cars, isn't through a fire hoop, isn't really exciting. Now let's do more death defying things. So would it come back? Maybe, but I don't think it would have the same oomph as it did when it first came out, when it was just so unique and so creative. Well, you're right. And they do have, groups you know traveling groups now and people on youtube and stuff who do these things but could you name any of them no what what was amazing about this was every even even though you're right evil can evil by today's standards what he did was you know uh, tame i think is maybe i don't know if it's it's probably a good word i wouldn't say but but, you know he's part of pop culture there's no doubt about it and and you know he he was a legend he was a trailblazer and and he kind of opened up the doors to um being that stunt person if you want and 
but can you replicate something like that? No, because how can you? All you would be doing is basically copying it. You can't improve upon what I don't. I think Evil King Evil did back in the day, and it's not exciting and sexy enough as to what you're seeing on on YouTube with what other folks are doing. I I, I and it's sad to me because this is this when I was a kid. You know, we would take our bicycles out to the street and build ramps we take a couple cinder blocks and then a giant piece of plywood and try and do jumps on the street frankly it's amazing to me none of us killed ourselves because <laughs> you know today if you saw a kid doing that you know somebody would call children's aid they're not wearing helmets or knee pads or elbow pads and the the ground is not padded they're not covered in bubble wrap you know the, the jump is more than two feet high which is against city ordinance and you know like there's a million things back then Hey, let's see if we can hurt ourselves and it'll be fun. It'll be hilarious. And we didn't videotape it. We didn't have a phone camera. We just did it and then went home bleeding. Um, exactly. And I was going to say, how many times did we actually hurt ourselves? And we every just time. Back up and continue to do it, right? Every time. Every, every single time. time. And, and there was a guy who lived down the street who we never knew who he was. He lived a few blocks over and we never knew who he was. He was a couple of years older than us. And he would sometimes when we were doing this, because we had a dead end, he would suddenly appear. We don't know where he came from. He somehow knew. It was like the bat sign in the sky. He knew that people were jumping their bikes <laughs> and he showed up and would take this huge run and land it perfectly on a wheelie kind of thing. And then, and we called him Kenny Knievel. I don't even know if his name was Kenny, but he was Kenny Knievel who would appear. Meanwhile, we're flopping all over the place and ground skidding and hurting ourselves. But every single person knew who Evil Knievel was. He was one of the biggest stars in the world. Period. Was it? He was he was a true showman, you know. He he knew it at that time and that age. This is what you need to do, and he was all about the pomp and the circumstance and the the outfits and, and the colors. And you know, it was the red, white, and blue American pride and all that stuff. It was he he had a mar he had a niche, he had a market, and he capitalized on it huge. It it, it could never be recreated though. And uh, we're yeah, too cynical. Know. We're too cynical now. Are we? We're too cynical. We're too politically correct. We're too, we're too sensitive. We're 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 a little too everything nowadays, uh, Scotty. To be honest with you, I that's how I'm kind of looking at things right now. And I, it's unfortunate that COVID hasn't brought a little bit more empathy towards everyone. I think, but um, yeah, hey, it's it's uh, we're, we'll be cynical about this. <laughs> well, I, I look at this, this lawsuit that has been filed against Pixar and Disney. Look, if you want, if they want to go ahead, find their choice. But to me, they're missing the point here because there is a generation of kids who don't necessarily know who Evil Can Evil is, and if you can somehow reintroduce him, look what happened when your guy Elvis died. For a few years there, he kind of went dormant because it was just, and then all of a sudden they got the estate going and got Graceland open for tours. And, and it, it has been the most lucrative thing ever for Elvis's estate to keep his name in the mix and keep reintroducing him to new generations of people. They should be begging Disney to get evil can evil back out there. Yeah. Agreed. You know, if, if, if you can find that again, that niche and, and maybe what you do is nowadays you change it up a little bit. So kids, you know, can relate more to it with with online stuff or games or who knows, you know, you know how they do these NBA and MLB uh, 2021 games and all this. They're so lifelike. It wouldn't it be cool if you could put actually a sport like that together. But the only thing is there's no killing. There's no violence. It's, it's a guy jumping. Whoopie do. Right. I don't know if kids would really buy it. Well, you could have. You could have zombies instead of jumping the shark. <laughs> you could have him jumping zombies who have machine guns. 
who are also killing Nazis at the same time. Well, if you're going to be jumping the shark, then you better get the fawns on that bike then as well. Like, come on. <laughs> no, uh, you know, it was it was Evil Knievel who jumped the shark first because there were sharks. Remember, there were sharks at uh, in Las Vegas at Caesar's Palace that he jumped over. And um, yeah, I did not know that. I, whenever I hear that phrase, jump the shark moment, I always think of, OK, that's happy days. I did not realize I've learned. Scott, you taught me something tonight. Love it. Although, and let me tell you one other thing. And, and by the way, if anyone's looking for just a really fun 1970s era read, Lee Montville, who used to write for Sports Illustrated, did a great, great biography of Evil Knievel. And one of the things that I learned in there was that when he did jump the sharks, people were really concerned because if he falls in, you know, he's going to be consumed, which would be generally considered to be a bad thing and probably not great for TV ratings. They apparently fed the sharks to within an inch of their life. <laughs> so they were so full and so sluggish. They were barely moving in the water so that even if he had fallen right on top of one, the shark would have gone, uh, I'm passing. See, but <laughs> don't you find that fascinating? The little tricks yes. of the trade. Here's little things that you do to just protect yourself a little bit more. I, I find that very fascinating. Well, because, you know, motorcycle driving with two legs that have been chomped off by sharks would not be good. Well, but at least we know he probably wouldn't go over the speed limit. So <laughs> not in Hamilton, not, not even one Hamilton kilometer over because the photo <laughs> radar will get him. <laughs> Mike fortune. Always appreciate having you on. Thanks for taking time today and go, uh, go get a chicken sandwich. They're good for yeah, you. I'll do that. Scott to you, your family, Ben uh, back at the studio. Everyone be safe. Look after each other. The Scott Radley show. Weekday evenings from six to eight on 900 CHML. The Scott Radley Show podcast is available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Scott Radley. Thanks again for listening, and do not forget to subscribe to this podcast. It is free. You will never miss an episode. And also, be sure you rate us and review us. Whatever you think of us, we'll take it. Thanks for listening.